0: Welcome to the Parent University podcast. Parent University is a monthly training seminar for parents of teenagers here at Perimeter Church. It is our desire to come
1: alongside families by equipping them to lead their children in a biblical, God-honoring way. We hope you enjoy the following talk. The busy culture that we live in is a little bit hectic and busy, and your junior high and high school students probably don't struggle with busyness at all either, as uh, possible, Although, if that's the case, I, I think I'd like to hear about it afterwards because most of the students that I talk to really are struggling with this uh, to one degree or another in different ways. So, um, but first, uh, you know, we always try to start with usually a culture or a media moment uh, where I'll go through and dissect maybe a TV show, a movie, something that's happening in pop culture. We're going to take a little bit different angle today. And I want to share with you a way to manage media in your home that I have, my wife and I have been kind of developing and toying around with for about two or three years. And we shared it with another couple, and they said, this is amazing, you should market this, so we're we're going to try to maybe patent it, and who knows. But, so don't steal my idea and try to go public with it, okay? But I want to share it with y'all and use you as guinea pigs. If that's an area you struggle with in how you manage media in your home, and what I'm talking about is television, Facebook, video games, uh, things like that, some of us struggle with how to teach our kids moderation in these areas, and it can be a little bit difficult. So, let me say a word of prayer and ask God to bless our time together, and then I'll jump into uh, this idea. All right, Heavenly Father... Thank you uh, for just the privilege of being a parent, Lord. It's a huge blessing in our lives. It's a privilege. It's a huge responsibility as we, Lord, are are shepherding, guiding these children that you have put in our care, and yet they're your children, and you care about them, and you love them. And um, Lord, we just ask you to give us wisdom and guidance and discernment. Uh, I ask, as I share today, this morning, that you would uh, speak your truth through the power of your Holy Spirit and by your word, and that we would um, be better parents, Lord, as a result of of you teaching us and working in our lives. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. All right. um, when. I was young, and we, we talked about this, actually, the very first month when you and I were young, let's say that, I can, I, I'm, again, I'm 43, I'm 44 in April, there, the world was very different in media consumption, right? Most of us, again, had 13 channels, right? There was just the, uh, you remember the dial, right? And there was like three decent channels, and there was a weird PBS thing going on that I never watched. Um, this, I mean, I remember pre-ESPN. It was pre-everything. It was a simpler time. There were not a lot of pro- there was not a lot of programming for children, for teenagers, designed specifically for them. And if there was, it wasn't that good. Okay, um, we all shared the same media experience. Video games were simplistic. Pong. I thought Pong was awesome. I thought Space Invaders was better. Defender. What was the Phoenix? You remember the little eagle? Okay, I, you know, some of you. I'm, I'm thinking right there. I go back to the skating rink, sixth grade. I've got a pocket full of quarters. I'm in heaven, okay? <laughs> and it was just awesome. Who knows how much money I spent? I probably could have bought a car on all the money I spent on video games just in junior high and high school. And, but it, things just kept getting better and better. All the new games came out and everything. But my parents didn't have to monitor everything so much. I can remember like right after school, there were some some TV shows that were for kids because they knew kids were getting out of school. But then around six o'clock, you had the news. you know. Then you got into seven, eight o'clock, and, and by nine, there was almost nothing on appropriate for the kids and things. Now you can get on in the middle of the night and Sesame Street's on at 3 a.m. somewhere, right? Your DVR is picking up Kung Fu Panda uh, in the in the middle of the night. So it's crazy the way things have changed. Uh, today, we have unlimited channels. Uh, you see, 9,000 channels you can get through DirecTV. Did you know there was even that many possible? That's because all the foreign language channels and things like that you could get. Most of us only have two or 300 channels, not the 9,000 that are possible. And then the sophistication of video games, again, where they, you can be sucked into a video game that is... I mean, you have to make moral decisions that are taking place there. It is so lifelike and real that my son, and, and I have to admit, I, I relate to him. I would rather often play a video game than watch TV because it's interactive. I'm, I'm not just watching the action take place. I'm participating in the action. The storyline is following the way I want it to go. It's unbelievable the sophistication of these things in our society. So it's a huge Issue because of that though the addiction factor that oh just one more level oh I just if I can just get past this and ladies if uh, ladies don't usually play video games the way that guys do you may not understand I I can remember uh, I was unemployed for a brief period of time and my wife was going to work every day and she was pregnant and I I was playing this game called uh, Warcraft not the the online version today. This was like a much simpler, earlier version of the game. And I can remember I would be home and I'd think, okay, I'll get up, do some laundry and stuff, and then I'll just play this for an hour. <laughs> and then there three o'clock hits, 3:30, she hits the door, and I'm busted. And I'm like, what? Five hours has gone by like that. And I was like, ugh, caught, you know, deer in the headlights. You probably caught your child doing that, right? How long have you been doing this? Five hours. Yeah, yeah. And, but it happened to me, and I was like 30. So uh, it's, they're very addictive. This, this, is a, this is a reality of the world that we live in. So when Cammy and I moved here, we started talking to a family that went to the same school uh, as our child, and, and we were just having a conversation. And they said, well, you know, how do we, how do we handle this problem? Because they were struggling with it too. And they said, well, we have a rule at our house that starting on Monday, we don't watch any TV or play video games through the week. And then on Friday, we we let them do that Friday over the weekend. So we said, that sounds good. I think we struggle with the same problem. And so we started this, we started doing that. And what happened, what we realized, is we were teaching our children feast and famine. They were not doing anything through the week, but come Friday, I mean, like the saliva was building, you know, they turned into these media rage monsters. And we couldn't pull them away. And if we did, we were the bad guys. You know, you ever feel like that? You're like, okay, I've, they're like, we've well, fasted all week from this, and now it's our time. And so then I'm, I'm continually being the bad guy here, coming in, trying to monitor this and say, no, we have to rein this in. And so, so we thought we're only teaching them to completely indulge on the weekends and to completely abstain during the week. This is not the solution that we want. And we're not, again, if, our, if my whole thing is to prepare them to be adults, right? As adults, we don't do that, or we shouldn't do that. We know how to moderate our time in these things. So how do we teach them that? Well, we, I had some old poker chips in uh, the, the, the game area, and we developed a system, which I call the token system, for no better name right now, okay? And that's kind of what I want to share with you today. And it's on the little handout that you should have gotten when you came in. And it's pretty simple, but we have found quite a bit of success in our family utilizing this system, all right? So uh, the way it works is this one token equals 30 minutes, okay? And that's 30 minutes of media, whether it's a video game for 30 minutes. We bought these little kitchen timers, you know, that you can wind or a digital one. We have one by the TV, by the computer, we have them around, and one token equals 30 minutes. So they get a token that equals 30 minutes of time. And it's if they use 15 minutes, and then they have to leave or something, that's sorry. You've, you, it's kind of like that Seinfeld episode where if you bite the fruit, you, it, you bite the whole fruit. Do you don't even remember that? It, it, if you pierce the skin of the fruit, you get the whole apple. That was it's, Some of you have no idea what I'm talking about. Sorry about that. Um, so if they use the token... I mean, if they're only five minutes into it, I may say, okay, show them some grace. But if they're 15 minutes or 20 minutes, you don't want to get into half tokens and things like that because that's just a pain. So if they use 15 minutes, they've used the token. Tokens have to be earned. This is the other thing. The way it works at our house is Saturday morning or chore is chore time. And we get up on Saturday, and I actually have, again, we continue to tweak this system. There are benefits of how many tokens they get depending on when they get their chores done, because I found that I become the chore nag, you know, are, you got to get your stuff done, you got to get your stuff done. I've got one child who gets it done, their chore's done in an hour. I've got another child who will take seven hours, okay? And, I, and I'm constantly, like, <laughs> pushing that child. So we say, no, you know what? I kept nagging and said, why am I doing this? OK, if you get done by noon, you get this many tokens. If you get done by 6, it's this many. If you get done by midnight, it's this many. And it just you know it keeps going down. They get less and less tokens the longer it takes. So I'm not nagging them anymore. They don't want the tokens. They don't have to do, get their chores done quickly. OK? So they have to be earned by doing chores. Um, We do what we have to do so that we can later do what we want to do. That is like a mantra we have at our house, okay? Next thing, tokens can be lost. This has become, at my home, the most effective punishment thing that I have. It is like the biggest card in my deck of of parenting. And, okay, really, the way that you're acting right now, you just lost a token. That is something that we do. And my kids are like, no. I mean, it's, you know, the world is ending because they just lost 30 minutes of media or TV or whatever. And it uh, it's becomes a real issue for them. And so it's, it's a great way for us to be able to, to take away or give them things like that. Um, moderation is the goal, time is valuable. We are able to teach them this principle that they have to self-moderate through the token system. So we give them their tokens. They can sit down, and if they get five hours or six, you, you decide how many you think is appropriate for your household, okay? If they get five hours for the week, and they get their tokens at noon on Saturday, and they want to watch, play video games for five straight hours, they can. But then there's nothing the rest of the week. That's it. They're out. It's over. So they only do that once, usually, and they realize it's not very fun the rest of the week. Now at our house, again, you can earn extra tokens by being nice or wonderful or serving without being asked, by reading. We have a, a PCS, they have an honors reading list, and if you read 30 minutes on the honors reading list, you get a 30-minute token that you earn. Now I have, another, I have a daughter who will read like crazy, and it's different, you know, we have to make sure it's honors reading because if it's just what she wants to read, she, she would read for 10 days, and then we would have no control over this at all. So you have to know your kid and how it works, how it's going to work with them, with things like that. So we kind of work this out with them. Uh, next, monitoring. Now, this is where it's a little bit difficult at first. As you're teaching your kids the system, you have to monitor it pretty closely uh, you make sure, and it's just a constant, have you set the timer? Your timer's gone off. When did it go off? Because if they're playing video games again, they can be in the zone so much that the timer went off an hour and a half ago, and they're just, you know, they're just zoned in. TV shows are really easy because most TV shows are 30 minutes or an hour, you know, set anyway. So that one is very easy to monitor. Video games is a little harder, okay? So you, you have to stay on top of it at first, but then remember that what we're teaching them is character, So now my kids have been doing this system for a couple of years. It's more, have you moved your tokens? Have you kept up with them today? And I am paying attention when I walk in and out of the room. Okay, I know you watched this show and this show and this show. Did you did you do that? Yes, no. Again, punishment can be brought if you didn't move your tokens. You can use the tokens to punish as a result of that. Okay, if you're not going to keep up with this, then we can just fast for a week and they'll go, you know, they don't they don't want to go back to that once you do that. So using it to build character, uh, to teach them about entertainment, to teach them things about honesty, um, questions of character. This is what we're trying to do as we go through this system. Now, I don't think this system will work perfectly, especially if your kids are really young. Uh, if they're, like, I have a daughter who's, who's six, and right now is about the time we're going to start doing this with her, um, because she's old enough to be be aware of these things. And and again, and part of it's for us. We can monitor how much we're letting her watch if we use the tokens as well. Okay? Um, Once they get into high school or older, I don't know. My oldest is eighth grade, and we're probably going to wean her off tokens pretty soon. Uh, So you have to think about, again, for your child, it works great for my 10-year-old, and it has worked very effectively, though, with my daughter through junior high. Okay, so, um, you know, how you implement this and the age and stuff is, is you have to think through the appropriateness of this. But that's the idea behind it so far. Again, in our house, it's worked really well. And um, I just wanted to share this with you. You will have to purchase your own tokens uh, at this point. Yes, right. What's, what she's saying is <laughs> if you have TVs in common rooms and... That's happening. I just do gentle reminders. For example, I have little kids who want to watch Kung Fu Panda, for example, and my older kids love Kung Fu Panda, but they would not choose to use a token on it. You see, so if they're just happen to be in there, or they're doing the dishes or whatever, then I, you know I will say to my my son or my daughter, "Hey, you're using tokens right now. If you're going to watch this, because they have freedom to leave the room, they can go in the other room and." not use it. So that's what I remind them, hey, right now, this is tokens. Other things to keep in mind with this system, there, uh, there's times for grace. If you're on vacation, if you, are, uh, if you have a friend over, there's, there's lots of things you have to think through with this. And, um, and we've done all the rapids of this, you know, kind of braved the rapids through this journey already. For example, when we have kids' friends over, we don't, there's no tokens. Now, why is that? Because if they have to use their tokens when a friend's over, they may say, well, then I don't want to have a friend over because I don't want to use those when they're here. If we have a family night where we play video games together as a family on the Wii, you know, Wii Sports or something, or if we're watching a movie as a family, that doesn't count because my son or daughter might say, well, I'm not using this to watch that movie with you. And say, well, okay, we want to watch a movie together. So we would not use it for something like that. So you have to moderate that. You know, there's got to be grace at times. Uh, there's, there's definitely a lot of, of just wisdom as you navigate the system. You have to make the system work for you as well. Yeah, I anyway.
0: knew. Yeah, what's your, uh, what, what's your definition of media?
1: In our home, it's...
0: ...that don't count, like computer time for... Creative stuff, as opposed to
1: I mean, that's a great question. And again, for you, you get to define that. It's what needs to be limited. If your child likes and they're allowed to surf the web and look at YouTube videos at your home, okay, well, then that in my home would be a media token. If video games for sure, TV for sure, count, um, we even have reward systems. Let's say they don't want to use media. If they get to a certain number of tokens, we take them to a movie, things like that. Or you can take them out to eat. I mean, you can use this for lots of different, different things. But uh, like right now, my daughter's not on social media. So for Facebook, I haven't used that because that's not been a draw for her yet. Uh, and again, as, the, as she gets older, I'm not sure that that... But I, I reserve the right always to bring it back into play if that gets out of control. So, yes.
0: Did you consider winning your eighth grader off, or you consider what do you consider doing then?
1: Well, I'm hoping she's already learned the principle of moderation, and I won't have to bring it back on. I don't know that that's the case. <laughs> I think parenting is like practicing medicine, right? You don't really know the answer. Hey, take some Advil. Let's see if this fixes it. And if it doesn't, we'll try something stronger. Right? Yes. I like this. This is a great idea because I have a son who's in sixth grade, and he doesn't necessarily play video games, but he has an iTouch, and he has little games with iTouch. Oh, yeah. So I'm definitely going to implement this with them, moderate. DS, iPad, iTouch, all of that very, very much uh, works. And I also do not allow my children, I'll get into this a little more in the rest of the teaching today, because we're talking about solitude, busyness, Sabbath principle, probably going to step on all of our toes as I get into that today. But I don't let my kids do multiple things at the same time. Uh, For example, if my son's playing DS and my daughter's watching a TV show in the same room, I tell him he's got to go in another room because I don't want to train him to multitask in that way because they're getting that enough right now. You've got an older child, they're already listening to music, texting five friends on Facebook and doing homework and the TV's going in the background, probably all at the same time. Uh, we don't have to work to encourage that. We need to actually, there's a lot of research talking about pathways in the brain and that all of this multitasking short circuits deep thought and deep concentration. And what, again, we're going to get into that uh, more in just a little bit. But, um, so I don't allow multitasking of different media at the same time. Yes. Yes again, what the question is, how long would I take away tokens? Usually, again, if they do something minor, it's they only lose maybe an hour of tokens. It's not I take all tokens away for a fast. Now, we are actually talking about doing a fast. We're still going to do a media fast. We're probably going to start with a week coming up here. My wife and I are already talking about that. And we're probably going to build up where then maybe we may try a month after that, Um, things like that. But that's really not a punishment for my kids. It's just a Even with the token system, we find that we're all a little too consumed with media and being plugged into things. As parents, though, the hard part about this is, guys, we got to be honest. We, I mean, we lovingly refer to our television as the babysitter sometimes, okay? We want to have adult conversation at times, and we put our kids in front of the TV to distract them so that we can huddle, or at least that's what I often do with my wife. We want to talk, so hey, let's turn the show on for them. Or I want to have my quiet time. It can even be a good thing. I want to have my quiet time, so I'm going to turn on a show for Zane, my four-year-old. So you have to count the cost when you do something like that, too. If you completely say to your children, you can't watch anything, well, you've got to be equipped to deal with that, because they're going to be hanging from your earlobes for a while, right? They're going to be right there. Okay, mom, entertain me. I can't do anything else, so what are we doing today? Um, You've got to be ready for that. Now, with an older kid, that could be fantastic because you've been wanting to engage with them anyway. But you do need to count the cost of how long because you're being punished too if you do that. Yeah.
0: For your family, how many tokens would you allow them to have per week?
1: Again, this really depends on you and what you're comfortable with, and you need to to play around with it. Uh, At first, for the last few years, it's been four hours a week. Um, But we've recently increased that. Um, with our older kids, to and again, the the, the benefit system, they can get so many hours if they get their chores done earlier. So we've allowed them the opportunity to increase. But that's because we also paid attention to our own habits, and I watch maybe 30 minutes to an hour of television a day, personally. So I thought, well, if I do that, I, I think I'm okay. But that's me personally. That's my own conviction. I really... You, you need to decide what you think is appropriate. And you may start out with too few. It's easier to start with too few. You can always expand. If you start with too many, contracting is going to be more difficult. So I would recommend start out with less than your gut, and then you can always reward or you can always expand it. Yes?
0: We tried a system probably not as well thought out as yours, but do you feel like you're losing your authority as a parent? becoming a banker at any time, or what do Because that's what I felt like. We did a ticket system, and I started feeling like a banker, and they were respecting the rewards versus respecting the authority that you have in the house. How do you combat that
1: system? Yeah, I, I haven't struggled with that. I'm um, going my kids. <laughs> <laughs> well, one of the things that's very important about this is that you go into the why behind the system. Um, and it's easier, again, as your kids are older, right? If they're in the if they're 10 or above, that's going to be easier than if, you're, if your children are younger because they the ability to process, you know, what, what you're doing, they can kind of get the rules when they're younger. And as they're older, they can understand the reasons behind it. But, you know, I talk about the fact that this is to teach you a principle. It's to teach you that time is money. You know, most of us get paid by the hour or if we're salaried and we work like slaves. Uh, but but we, there's a value on our time, and you're trying to teach them that. There's a value for their time, and that that is a resource that God has given us that's incredible, and you can't save it. You know, we talk about saving time, but you get, there's about 18 hours a day of being awake that you you get in a day, and you, you how you spend it, it's gone the next day. And so we go into the reasons why behind the system, because if you don't, you're right. You just become the gatekeeper, and... We just increase the pharisaical nature of our kids, and that was what we don't want to do and that's, I think that's one reason why making sure you're showing grace at times is important, making sure that there are f- token free times um, and monitoring yourself you know that's the other thing. if we put our kids on a strict token system, but you've got a TV in the kitchen and, and you know and, and it's on all day long for you. You got to be careful of that too. We have to show them and lead by example. so all of those things are ways that we combat that. but the why behind it is important. you know again, everything that that I teach in here, I hope that you realize is is we have to constantly instruct and be intentional as we're utilizing the rules or discipline or whatever it is. Yeah, one more. That's a great question. The question is they don't have allowance, so can you can you utilize the token system? Yeah, we actually do that. $1 equals one hour of media. And my kids can actually trade in tokens for money if they want, or vice versa. Although at Christmas, and I, I haven't had you know them be given $25 and ask me for 25 hours of media. That, that, that I would probably say no to. There's a limit, I'm sure, into how much I would exchange. But within 2 or $3, I allow that right now at my house. I would encourage you to, at some point, again. I don't know how old your kids are. Implement uh, how they manage their money is a major thing we need to teach them as well. So at some point, you do need to implement some type of allowance system so you can start training them, you know, in the money management. In the same principle applies with money as it does with, with the media, you know. So, so how you go about that, but that we'll save for another day. Um, I want to move on because we have a lot to cover. And uh, again, I'll. You can ask me questions about this afterwards. Um, I'm really happy to introduce uh, another staff member today. We always highlight a staff member, too, so you can get to know the youth staff. And Matt Lucanville is uh, our new junior high director, and he is... Has been on staff since January first, and so we 're going to let him tell you a little bit about himself. Um, I had a pastor years ago describe me this way so i 'm going to describe Matt this way you know if you have like the in the NFL they have that free agent system you know you you look around in the off season and go who is we really have a position that 's important, and we might get to the Super Bowl if we get this left tackle okay and I think that 's what we were able to do with Matt is look around the country and say we need to find somebody who has a skill set that can really come in, come alongside our parents and our families, and just elevate what we're doing to a whole nother level, and that's what we've done with Matt. So I'm really happy that he's here, and I'm going to let you chat for a minute,
0: Matt. Well, that was very, very gracious, Jeff, um, and probably untrue. But uh, let me just uh, tell you a little bit about me and my family. Um, I've got a couple of pictures here that shows a little bit of who we are. This is us, last St. Patrick's Day. Uh, We always like to do a big St. Patrick's Day party and uh, so this is the picture that we make everybody who comes to the party dress up. So this is us. And um, the next picture, you can actually see all of us. Uh, this is my wife, Michelle, and then my four children. Uh, my oldest is Andrew. He's 14 and in the eighth grade. My daughter, Ashley, is 13, and she is in the seventh grade. And then I have a daughter, Sarah, who is 10 and in the fourth grade, and a daughter, Emily, who is uh, in the first grade, and she is six years old. So that's... Uh, That's who we are, and uh, what I want to do this morning is just simply tell you a little bit about who I am and how I got here. Um, I grew up in a Christian home, and uh, my dad actually became a believer through an FCA camp that he went to when he was in high school. Uh, My mom became a believer when I was a little baby uh, through the testimony of a friend that lit, That went to the same church that we did at the time, so i've been in a church since the day I was born, quite literally um, i've always uh, i've always grown up in the church always been there, but it really up until about uh, sixth grade, it was always a belief that I had because it 's what I grew up with it 's because it's what my parents believed and uh, I was at a camp one summer and, and had had uh, an interesting experience and had gotten scared at night and just um just a lot of uncertainty. And it was at that point in time, my dad a few weeks earlier had shared the gospel with my sister and I. And at the time I was like, eh, you know, maybe I'll just wait till high school and accept Christ then when my dad did. Well, through the conviction of the Holy Spirit and at that point in time is when I first recognized I needed a savior. But it was still my parents' faith to a large degree. So it was over the course of the next few years uh, after having been uh, gone into some teenage rebellion um, that we all participated in at some level, and now we all get to raise children who are doing the same thing. So participating in a little teenage rebellion and getting caught and getting in trouble, uh, I actually came to a point about my sophomore year of high school where I went, you know what? This faith thing, I really need to own it. I need to give up control of my life. I need to quit trying to figure things out on my own, quit trying to do things my own way, because I need a savior, because I can't do it. And so it was in my sophomore year of high school that I became a, uh, I'm sorry, it was in my sophomore year of high school that my faith really became my own, and that was in large part to a youth pastor I had by the name of Jeff Waterman, and, uh, and through my parents, and just through some other adults speaking into my life at that point in time. Well, then uh, after my junior year of high school, uh, I got opportunity to go on a mission trip to Reynosa, Mexico. And it was when I was in Reynosa, we'd had this great week. My friends and I had had a great time. We had grown. We'd been challenged in our relationships with Christ. We'd grown together in relationship. And as we're walking down this dirt, and in Mexico, a dirt road means potholes, that are huge. And as we're walking out of this road, after having built these 10 by 12 foot houses for people who had nothing living in a landfill, uh, the first, that was the first time I really had the thought of how cool would it be to be able to be a youth pastor and take high school kids and junior high kids and have them to have the same type of experience that I've had this past week. And that was kind of my first idea. And then over the next couple of years, I went around on a couple of different other ideas I'd toyed with for a long time as a kid. I'd always wanted to be a pilot um, and follow in my uncle's footsteps, Uh, and I'd had thoughts of doing some engineering, which is what my grandfather had done, Uh, and then kind of through a conversation with my father where he just went, hey, look at at what uh, an engineer does and look at what these guys do. And then compare that with a youth pastor. And what is it that is your gifts and abilities and how can you best be used? And this is right before I left for college. And uh, at that point in time, the conviction was very much and the call and the desire and the passion was very much to go do youth ministry. So I got to Covenant College my sophomore year, or I'm sorry, I got to Covenant College. And in my freshman year, I started volunteering at a church. And uh, by October of my freshman year of college, I was leading a youth ministry at St. Omo Presbyterian Church, a little small church in Chattanooga, Tennessee. Uh, my wife and I went to Covenant College in Lookout Mountain, Georgia. And, uh, and so I started volunteering at that church at the beginning of the year. By October, they had me leading the youth ministry. And by the following summer, I was part-time staff and uh, was part-time youth director. And it's actually been from that point forward uh, in about 94, 95, Till today, I've actually been leading a youth ministry. Uh, This is the first time I haven't been both junior and senior high director, but for the last, I didn't do the math earlier, however many years it's been now, um, I have been a youth pastor. So graduated from college, uh, met and married my wife in college, uh, and we headed to Hopewell, Virginia for our first youth ministry job at West End Presbyterian. And it was while we were at uh, West End I'm sorry, at West End, things didn't go real well. We were only there for about 14 months. Um, It was six months of obliviously wonderful ministry, followed by eight months of misery, because we found ourselves in the middle of a very long church conflict. And uh, so we left there. Uh, God called us away from there by his grace, and we went to East Cobb Presbyterian over in Marietta, where we were, for, we were at East Cobb for nine years. And it was while we were at East Cobb that I really had uh, the pastor there really spend some time investing in me, taking some time with me, and expecting a 23-year-old in youth ministry to act like a 23-year-old in youth ministry, allowed me to make mistakes, allowed me to mess things up, helped me grow as a youth pastor, and at the same time really being able to have great uh, ministry with the students at East Cobb. After nine years, uh, God called us away from there and we went up to uh, Suffolk, Virginia, which is just outside of Virginia Beach, Norfolk area, where we've been for the last three and a half years as a youth pastor there. And uh, that was a great experience as well. Um, So good things happened. And uh, and then after three and a half years, uh, we got the call from Perimeter to come be the junior high pastor and had a lot of great conversations with Jeff and Chip and um, figuring out what this position was and beginning to learn what the needs of the ministry were and just became very attractive and interesting uh, to my family and me to come and, to come and work. And uh, so I started January 1st, and the last month uh, has, been, has been really a really big learning curve. Let's just call it that. It's been fun. It's been an adventure. It's been wonderful to meet and uh, work with uh, the junior high staff. Um, we've got with between Davon and Jessica and Andrew and Jacob working in the cafe, who had a baby this weekend. Well, his wife had a baby this weekend. Um, so congratulations to Jacob and Megan on that. And then Ashley, uh, who does a great job of supporting all of us. It's been great for the last month to really get to know them, to work with them, to begin to figure out uh, how we can help the junior high ministry to become a more effective ministry through the BRICS ministry on Friday night, and really working with that and going, how can we reach uh, both our covenant students and our community students? What does that ministry need to look like um, so that we can begin to uh, be very effective in that? Uh, we look, we're making, working with junior high discipleship on Sunday nights, working with the large group time, working with the small group times, working with our leaders uh, to figure out what it is that our needs are in the ministry to make it uh, more effective one of the other big goals we have right now is working on communication with junior high parents. Uh, we really need to do a lot and figure some things out so that we can really become effective in our communication, um, and we are having a good time figuring out where we're going, setting goals, setting our vision for what the junior high ministry is going to look like for the next uh, for the next chapter in the ministry. Uh, we're also looking forward to getting to know all of you, learning who you are, learning uh, what your family is like, getting to know your students, uh, learning who they are and what their story is and learning your stories and seeing you volunteer and working alongside you and coming alongside you. We're looking forward to getting to know all of you at a, at a great level. And just for all of you who have junior hires, either now or in the very near future, um, we've got some things coming around. Uh, we're planning on doing a parents' meeting coming up very shortly. And in addition to that, parents, within that parents' meeting, uh, we're also going to be talking about what we're going to be doing in the junior high ministry for next summer, for the coming year, and what the junior high ministry is going to look like going forward. And then uh, we're also going to give you a little more detail as to what some, of these, uh, what some of these elements that we want to implement into the junior high ministry are to make it a more effective ministry so that students are being reached for the kingdom uh, both our covenant kids and our community kids are being reached for the glory of the kingdom of God so that they can understand the gospel and, uh, and also ministering to you all as parents and coming alongside you and helping you in the discipleship of your children. So that's, um, that's who I am. That's what we're looking forward to. Uh, we look forward to meeting all of you.
1: Okay, um, one thing before I jump into the the next section of teaching, I do want to just point out, some of you may be asking the question, why even have media as a part of your kids' lives? I mean, why let them play video games or let them watch TV or let them do any of that? Um, Just, again, whether it's right or wrong, my family, we have chosen a kind of an inoculation approach to these kinds of things. This is the world that we live in. It is getting rapidly more connected to media and things like that. And we feel like equipping our kids to live in the world that we are in um, is, is a part of what has to happen, uh, and we choose to do that in small doses, exposing them to things over time. If you've been to some of the other parent use, you know kind of already that's, that's kind of where I come from on that issue. Um, as we get in now, uh, the rest of today, we got about 15 or 20 minutes to hit this, so I may go through it pretty quickly. Um, there's a problem that I see, and I, I don't know. I don't think it's unique to Johns Creek area, but I think it is. I'll tell you, it's it's either just ramped up incredibly in the last five years, or our area in particular is worse. I tend to think it's probably a little bit of both. Um, I've never been at a more busy, stressed out place to serve and minister than I have at, at, at in this at this church. I don't think the church causes it. I just think it's our community. Uh, a lot of it has to do with uh, well i 'll go into that, but the, the problem is our kids are stressed out. Um, I think a lot of our parents are stressed out, and busyness is is an epidemic, and I think a lot of us don't really know what to do about it. We know it 's a problem, we feel it, we deal with it, but we don't really know how to handle it. Um, one of the issues for this, I can tell you, is schoolwork has changed since you and I were in school, or at least. I went to a really small rural school in Tennessee, so I didn't have a very great education growing up. I know that I've compared notes with my wife, and hers was much more rigorous. I don't think I read a full novel until I was almost in college. So that may tell you a little bit. My experience might be a little stunted. But they did a ton of research in the 80s, actually starting in the 60s all the way to the 80s, and, and wanted us to catch up to Japan and China and India in education. And so I know they did, my wife is a, Uh, Her degree is in education. So they really ramped all that up and changed the way we do testing and and the way classes work and stuff a lot in the 90s and made it much more rigorous. Uh, How rigorous? Um, AP, IB, honors, things like that are definitely happening. There is huge pressure uh, with homework, with colleges. Three hours of homework a night for a high school student is not unusual at all. Um, I'm not sure with a junior high student, how what you experience on that level, uh, but really, this problem hit for me about three or four years ago. I was here. It was Christmas break. We had a big program for the youth um, Christmas rush. it was just a, a, a Christmas event that we do here in the youth ministry and I saw one of our students sitting, and he was flipping through some notes, um, several white pages stapled together, you know small print on both sides and it looked like something that had been copied over and over and over again. So I think about this, and I think, is he? Is there cheating going on? You know, what is he doing? What's going on? So I just asked him. I said, hey, what are you, what are you looking at? And he said, well, it's notes, kind of cliff note version of a book that I was supposed to read over Christmas break. So, of course, I'm thinking, okay, get ready for the lecture on cheating, you know, about his character and things like that, because we don't want to see that happen. I said, well, what, what was it? And he said, well... For AP Econ, we were assigned a 700-page economics book to read over Christmas break. 700-page economics book to read over two weeks of Christmas break. Now, I don't know about you, that doesn't sound like a break to me. It doesn't even sound like anything I ever had to do in college, much less high school. I encouraged him to read the Cliff Notes. I said, that's fantastic. you go right ahead. In fact, let me, you need to use the copier. You got some friends who need to borrow that because that's insane. And he said, guess what? It's the second book he was supposed to read over Christmas break. He had a 350-page book for AP Lit that he was supposed to read in two weeks. Okay? So a 1,000 pages of reading for a high school senior at Northview High School. Okay? Which, by the way, just got num- voted number one school in Atlanta. You read Atlanta Magazine. They rated all the high schools, and Northview was rated number one, okay? So a 1,000 pages, I think that's a problem. I think schoolwork has ramped up. I never faced anything like that in high school, okay? Uh, Getting into school, getting into the right college, keeping their scholarship, uh, their HOPE scholarship, all of these things, there's incredible pressure that is on our students uh, at a level that I did not experience uh, when I was in high school. So this is a problem. Oh, and just another footnote, this year, another Northview student actually told me, she finished, she was super excited when we started school in September because she got all her summer work done. For one class, she had 47 pages of written homework over the summer for one class. 47 pages of typed homework over the summer, one class. Another, I think it was another AP class. All right, so that's part of the problem. Sports. Um, sports in this area is just a whole different way than what I experienced. Club ball didn't exist when I was in high school. I played sports year-round. I played tennis, basketball, and football. I went to, again, I went to a small school. Pretty much if you showed up and you practiced, you were like, hey, you can run. You can be on the team. I mean, it was, it was pretty easy. Okay. So I wouldn't say I was some great athlete or anything. But here, if you don't start in the farm system in the fifth grade in football, I mean, I've just walked through this with a family whose kids were involved in Norcross football. And it started out in the fifth or sixth grade. It's like year round. They have to practice during the summer. They practice in the off season. If they don't get in the farm system, they're not going to play. And so it all builds towards this senior year, like all of you know, all of this for years and years and hundreds and thousands of dollars, and it gets all builds up to senior year, and then it happens um, that they might get to play, um, and they might go to they might go to play at a university. And a lot of us have that hope and dream, although I've. I don't know about what your experience is, so many kids that I have seen over the years who actually went to play sports in college quit the sport their freshman year because it's not what they thought it was, and they hate it, actually, because it takes over all of college. You need to think through the end game if that is your goal. Uh, And just so you know, in the years I've been doing youth ministry, I have had an Olympic-quality swimmer, someone who was moving towards the Olympics in swimming, a scratch golfer... Multiple volleyball stars. I had a fourth in the, a sixth in the world ranked volleyball, I mean, um, mountain biker. All of these people have been in my youth ministry and I've seen what they've done. I mean, they've, some of them, like the mountain biker guy and some of the swimmers I've known, have gotten up at 4 a.m. and gone to the pool or gone to the gym to work out for two or three hours before school. And then they go after school and do two or three hours again in order to keep and compete at this level. And these are are 15-, 16-, 17-year-olds doing this. Um, So most of those that I just mentioned, the Olympic swimmer, all of them quit the sport by the time they got to college because they were burned out. I mean, the scratch golfer, his sophomore year, he just walked away from golf. He said, I'm just tired of this. I play every day. I don't want to do this anymore. I, I can hardly hit the ball. You know, I'm one of those guys that go through and look down, the ball's still there half the time. So I, I would love to be a scratch golfer. And the fact that he was that way as a sophomore in high school, but he just got sick of it. Um, this adds to the stress and, and burns him out. Extracurricular activities, and I'm just going to touch on that briefly, the same kind of thing. There are no sacred days anymore. If your kids are in theater in high school, they will have theater practice on Sunday. On Saturday, uh, so many things happen over the weekends in the school system here. So there's no uh, dance is the same way. Many of our dancers, as you get in the older years, they they have to dance every day for two hours and five or six hours on Saturday. Um, Now, some kids love these things, and they're the ones driving it, and they really enjoy it. So again, you have to know your child and have these conversations. But think of the end game. I can remember talking to one of these volleyball players who was playing club, and her dad was paying like five or $6,000 a year. She was flying all over the country to play volleyball. And I said, do you really want to do this in college? And she was like, probably not. And I was like, why are you doing this now? Your whole weekend, all of your time is being taken up. Your dad is spending thousands of dollars on you to go play volleyball, and you don't even like it that much. It drove me up the wall. Have those conversations with your kids. <laughs> you might just be doing something because you think you have to, and make them think about the end. OK, do you want all of your college experience to be practice, and what you eat, and the weight room, and all that? Because it, it will be that if you play collegiate sports. It's in very intense. And they may not be thinking that far ahead and counting the cost. All right, parents, parents are the problem sometimes as well. Uh, we can be the problem. I've met several parents over the years who have said that keeping their kids so busy that they don't have time to get in trouble is a parenting philosophy. And it's not necessarily a bad parenting philosophy. I know their kids. Some of these families who've had this, I've seen their kids do fantastic in high school and do seem to be fantastic well-adjusted adults. So I am not necessarily saying that's the wrong way to go. Personally, I'm not real excited about that, but I, I have to say some of these kids have turned out you know pretty good, but I want you just to think about uh, if that's your philosophy. I want to take us real quickly through Luke chapter 10, and we're going um, to be talking. I think it's on the back of your sheet, I've got all, most of these scriptures here for you, so if you don't have to get your Bible out, but Luke chapter 10, verse 38, most of you are familiar with this. Martha, Martha, the Lord answered, you are worried and upset about many things, but only one thing is needed, and Mary has chosen what is better, and it will not be taken from her. Okay, this is a story we're all very familiar with, but I think it's very applicable to what the issue is in today's society. The first point that I have and I, and, uh, is that Mary sat at the Lord's feet, Okay, she was choosing to sit at the feet of the Lord. We have in Mark 1, Jesus, very early in the morning, while it was still dark, Jesus got up, left the house, and went off to a solitary place where he prayed. Okay, and I just put one example in there of a Scripture. We have, there's so many times in just the Gospels where it talks about Jesus getting up and going to a solitary place and spending time alone with God and praying um, if Jesus needed to do this, how much more do we need to do this? And what I'm not talking about here, let me make this clear, you telling your children and forcing them into quiet time. If that is, that may be how you do it. But I, what I'm talking about is let them catch you doing it. You've got to carve out time to spend time alone with God yourself and practice this principle in front of your kids. If they come down early in the morning because they get up to go to the bathroom, see the light on downstairs, and come down and find you praying, that's amazing. That's a great thing. They start to think, wow, this is my parents' practice. This is how they are. One of my sweetest memories is I would get up early and pray and spend some time in the Word, and my daughter, Tirza, who's now 13, she was three or four, and she would come down, and I would be on my knees, and she would, like, crawl up on my back and just put her head on on my back while I was praying and it's like the sweetest memory I have of when she was little. And I thought, you know, she's caught me spending time with God so that I'm modeling this for her. Um, again, if Jesus was doing this and he was God, how much more do we need to do it? I think, okay, he was God. I th- if I was God, I would be winging it a lot more, okay? I would wing everything because I know everything. But Jesus didn't. He was spending time. And so we have to model this idea, okay? Next point. But Martha was distracted. Distracted people cannot hear the voice of God. Or It's very difficult. Um, First, King, uh, First Kings 19, the Lord said, and this is him speaking to Elijah, "'Go out and stand on the mountain in the presence of the Lord, for the Lord is about to pass by. Then a great and powerful wind tore the mountains apart, shattered the rocks before the Lord,' but the Lord was not in the wind. And after the wind, there was an earthquake, but he was not in the earthquake. And after the earthquake came a fire, but the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire came a gentle whisper. How in your kid's current schedule do they have time to hear the gentle whisper of God? And are we talking about that? Are we teaching them that principle that God can be found in the quiet moments in life? Okay, that that is an important thing that we need to be getting across to them. Jesus had said to Martha, you are worried and upset about many things, okay? We have backed up in here in Matthew 6, in the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus said, for the pagans, or the unbeliever, runs after all these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them. God knows what you want. The most important thing is what he's concerned about, and that's your relationship with him, When we get caught up in all of these other things, in going after money, in going after glory, or sports success, or academics, when we pursue these things at the same level and vigor that the world does, we tell our children that's the most important thing. And guys, I see it so much, so many times a parent will say, well, my child can't come to discipleship because they're in a club, Okay, what are you saying by that? Club sports over church. I'm just bringing up the point. How, what is the message that we're saying? We're saying God is the most important thing, but right now this is the most important thing. What message are you saying by what you allow and by what you promote rather than what you know know are your values that are most important, okay? So... We cannot continue to promote these things. And then at the end, he says, one thing is needed, and it is better, and it will not be taken away. Uh, Matthew 6.33, the end of that that passage on Sermon 9, says, but seek first the kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. Seeking first the kingdom of God at the end of the day when you and I die, when we face the Lord, that is what is important to him. He's not going to say, Jeff, you know, if only you'd made that A. He's going to say, did you seek me first? That is what's going to be important to him. We have got to make sure our priorities and the way that our orthopraxy, right, reflects our orthodoxy is our practice showing what we believe is true. Psalm 46.10 says, be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I would be exalted on the earth. And I love some of these translations. Instead of saying, be still, they say, cease striving, Cease striving and know that I am God. All right, let me touch on this. How do we do this? Okay, I've kind of given you some of the scripture there of the principle. So how do you do this? Solitude and Sabbath principle have to be reintroduced in your life, your life and your kid's life. Sabbath has been completely lost. It's one of the 10 commandments. It's kind of a big deal to God. Uh, I put the passages in there just to see how big a deal. Um, He says... The, the Sabbath, in Exodus, remember the Sabbath, keep it holy. Six days you shall labor, but the seventh is a Sabbath to the Lord. On it you shall not do any work, neither you nor your son or daughter. Right? You or your kids are not supposed to be doing any work on that day. Go down to the Exodus passage. You must observe the Sabbath a sign between me and you for generations to come. This is something that we've got to teach our kids. If you skip on down, he says, whoever does any work on the Sabbath must be put to death. I don't know about you, but I think it's pretty important to God. If the punishment is death, usually that's a sign to me that God really is, it's a big deal to him, all right? And then down again, to verse 17, it will be a sign between me and the Israelites forever. Now, if you read other New Testament passages, they really speak to the fact that we are Israel now. We are the New Testament Israel. we It's a sign between God and us forever, okay? So we've got to do this. Um, Right now, you're going to be tempted to replace idleness with activity. But without a margin for idleness, there's no room for meditation. Okay, just think about that. If you don't give your kids room for idleness, they also don't have room for meditation to develop. Let me hit a couple things really quick, and then we've got to close. You're going to have to lead by example. Uh, You're going to want them, already mentioned, catching you, having a quiet time. It's okay for you to take some time away from your family. Each of you, individually, and go have a prayer retreat. Do you ever do that? Do your kids ever see you doing that? Say, well, Dad, why are you going away? Another business trip? No, actually, I'm going to go pray for a day, and then I'll be back. Let them catch you doing things like that so that you're, again, modeling doing that kind of thing. How is the Sabbath different for you than any other day? Again, I'm not going to weigh you down with how I do it. You need to think about how you do it. How is your Sabbath different? some examples, okay I, my children, if, if their job right now is school, then we don't do schoolwork on the Sabbath. OK? Uh, they have to get it done early. If your kids are younger, it's so much easier to teach them this principle. Now it's kind of like tithing. When you're tithing on 10 dollars and you pay one dollar, it's pretty easy to develop the habit, so that when you're getting a1,000 dollars and you're paying in a hundred dollars. It's not as painful because you've learned the principle when it was easy. If your child only has 30 minutes of homework and they have to do it on Friday or Saturday, it's easy to teach them that now than when they have three hours of homework, and they're going to save it till Sunday night, and then you're going to be in the position of, can they go to church and do discipleship and stuff, or do they need to be doing their homework? See, you want to teach them that principle ahead of time. Um, Make Sabbath special. We do things on Sunday we don't do any other day. We make it something exciting and special that they look forward to. We have special breakfast on Sunday. We have special lunch on Sunday. Our rules are different on Sunday so that it's special too. It's not just taking away things. And now, let me just close with this. What has happened over the last few years is my daughter just this week was telling me, and I didn't even tell her I was doing this, but my oldest daughter said her favorite day, she loves Friday because she loves going to the junior high stuff at the bricks and seeing her friends and things like that. But I said, Well, what's your favorite day? And she said, Sunday. I said, why? She said, Well, I get to go to church and I don't have to do any work. Like there's no chores on Sunday. There is no, we don't do the dishes. They stay in the sink. We don't. She doesn't do schoolwork. Nothing. Okay? That's at my house. You need to figure out what that looks like at your house. And there's other tricks to do it. You can go, the, actually, the Jews did it from sundown to sundown. They actually started Saturday night, and, you know, Sunday night at sundown, they went back into their normal routine. There's other tricks like that, but we're out of time. Um, this is an important principle that you need to reintroduce into your life, and I want you to think about and talk about as a couple, what does this look like for you and for your family? Um, Last thing I want to point out, uh, we have a blog, you may or may not know this, uh, the Watershed blog, it can be found at perimeter.org slash Watershed blog, and all of our staff members are blogging about different things. I'm blogging about Parent University, so I will blog about what I'm going to talk about every month, at least a couple weeks before we have Parent U is my goal, okay, but every, every time... And you can find that there. That You can find out information about staff members. There's a calendar on there. And really, again, we're just trying to create something that makes it easy for you to connect to the watershed staff. So let me just say a quick word of prayer, and we'll be dismissed. Lord, thank you again for the Sabbath. That's a principle that you established from, from creation. Lord, that you rested on a day as a principle for us. And forgive us for not resting. Lord, I haven't rested at times in my life And yet I know you created the Sabbath for man, not man for the Sabbath. Help us to do this and implement it in a way that's not, again, legalistic, but in a way that shows your love and care and concern for us. Help us to teach our kids about solitude. Uh, We praise you. Uh, We thank you, again, for the privilege of being parents. Guide and direct us now. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.
0: You've been listening to the Parent University Podcast. Parent U is a part of the student ministries at Render Church in Johns Creek, Georgia. Please visit the Student Ministries website at slash students for more information. Thank you.